and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Thank you very much, David Amber, Paul Bissonette, Anson Carter, Kevin Bieksa, Jennifer Botterill, Carolyn Cameron, Jamal Mayers, Sam Cosentino, Colby Armstrong, Futes, Jason, Jeff Merrick, Elliot Friedman. <laughs> I'm Tim McAuliffe. That's Jesse Rubinoff. <laughs> did you stop early? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> I don't know if I stopped early. Good thing we brought in all those folks for all that. Uh, Where the hell were they on Tuesday and Wednesday when the trades were flying quicker than McDavid on the rush? Yeah, yeah. Where were they? It's a good question. <laughs> and today, just like then, to McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff, we've got you covered. A kid because I love deadline day was a bust. Deadline week, however. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Deadline day was a bust. Deadline week. I... You can talk to the CSI ones. No, I can't. You can't disrespect it like that. Deadline extravaganza. Extravaganza. Yeah, you coined that. Do the math. We did have an extravaganza. Mm -hmm. 43 trades in the NHL during the two-week lead-up to deadline day. Everything including today. That's more than double the next highest total of 20 in the last decade of deadlines. Wild. We had 43 going into today. We finish. Jesse will give you all the latest in a flash with, I believe, 20 today. Mm -hmm, that's so correct. we're over the number of 16 mm -hmm. if you were keeping track at home. We'll hear from all the important managing generals out there. We'll see you can wrestle up on the phone or FaceTime. And of course, we'll get all your feedback on all of your teams. We'll examine if Pierre Dorian mushed Vladimir Guerrero <laughs> Jr. as a Jays star left a game in spring training with an injury. We'll have that update for you. Jesse, today was supposed to be all deadline, but given the lack of moves, like, do we work in Jays, Raptors? Yeah. Like, you got any golf today? Some elevated tourney stuff, oh, I can talk. I can talk elevated tourneys all day if that's where you want to go. I don't know if that's where you want to go. We've got a lot of hockey lined up for you. Again, we kid because we love Paul Bissonette, Nick Kiprios, and Elliot Friedman will all saunter in here. Guessing Frege will fly in in civvies. Like, I'm calling it now. He's changed and ready to get the hell out of here, mm -hmm. but just stops by because he's a friend of the show. Yeah, it's a class move. A class move. It's a class move. But he will be prepared as soon as we say thank you, Frege. He'll be like, any other questions? Out the door. Yeah, I yeah. yeah, love peace and hair yeah. grease. Uh, we'll get to the winners and losers of the deadline. And to be fair here, mm -hmm. up until the Tampa Bay Lightning started making bold moves at the deadline, Gaudreau, Coleman, uh, then Savard and Paul, the eventual cup winner hasn't exactly won the deadline. Like, the Blues, when they won their cup, do you know who they got at the deadline? Michael Delzato. Mm -hmm. That's it. Caps before that, it was Michael Kempney, Ron Hainsey, and Mark Strait to the Pens. One year after, it was Justin Schultz, their big move at the deadline. So it isn't always the busiest or splashiest team that wins the Cup. Maybe worth reminding after this extravaganza over the last couple of days. So we'll keep that in mind as we declare our winners and losers mm -hmm. here, Jesse. But let's start with getting the folks up to date with the moves that they may have missed if they're just walking in the door today. Yeah. We'll do it in first things first. Okay. So what do you say, Alan May? 
first things first. All right, so the trade deadline came and went at 3 p.m. Eastern time, and after such a busy week, the extravaganza, as Tim said, we knew extravaganza. It extravaganza. Sorry. It could be a relatively quiet day. It, it, it was. Uh, I'm not sure anyone expected it to be as quiet as it was. Uh, in the end, there were a total of 20 trades made today involving. How many people have to move for it not to be quiet? 34 players and 14 draft picks, <laughs> so I guess more? More, more than 34. <laughs> the, Real biggest, people. the biggest name on the move is defenseman John Klingberg, was who was traded from the Ducks. Got. This was a late one, too, that But came it was down the splash the moves that you were looking for. Exactly. That's why it felt quiet, because John Klingberg might have been the biggest well, name. Well, so many of the targets were already gone after what was uh, an right. extravaganza. Right. So Klingberg traded from the Ducks to the Wild for a 2025 fourth-round pick. Defenseman Andre Schuster and forward prospect Nikita Nestorenko. Anaheim is retaining half of Klingberg's $7 million cap hit. The Jets acquired forward Vladislav Nemesnikov from the Sharks for a 2025 fourth-round pick. Nemesnikov was traded from Tampa to San Jose on Wednesday. This dude just gets dealt at deadlines. That's yeah. tough. And the Lightning are retaining half of his $2.5 million cap hit. Hopefully he didn't get any real estate before getting flipped again. Nemestikov is the second forward Winnipeg has added after picking up Nino Niederreiter last week. This is the fourth time Nemestikov has been traded on deadline day, tying the aforementioned Alan May. Alan the May. all-time record. This guy is a real estate agent's dream. I'll tell yes, you that yes, he is. <laughs> uh, an interesting trade between the Flames and Coyotes as they swap Ritchie brothers. Calgary gets Nick Ritchie Great. and veteran defenseman Troy Stetcher from Arizona for Brett Ritchie and Connor Mackey. They're just switching residences, right? It seems like it. That would be the easy way to Bro, do it. Bro, take my place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Sens added some forward depth, acquiring center Patrick Brown from the Flyers for a six-round pick in this year's draft. And the Vancouver Canucks made just one move today, sending Ooh. forward Curtis Lazar to the Devils in exchange for a 2024 fourth-round pick. Some other deals to tell you about. The Sabres added forward Jordan Greenway from the Wild in exchange for a second-round pick in this year's draft and a 2024 fifth-round pick. And the Penguins acquired defenseman Dmitry Kulikov from the Ducks, sending forward Brock McGinn and a third-round pick to Anaheim. Listen, these deadlines and grading these deadlines day of is usually a fool's errand. We on this show like to take a little bit of a, a step back and try and evaluate yeah. on the bigger scale. But let's be honest, it's like grading an incomplete paper, right? Like, you're not going to know until it ends. That said, give me a winner. <laughs> well, you got to start with the Bruins, I think. Yeah. Because it seems like everyone that they acquired is the prototypical Boston Bruin. And when you're gearing up for a playoff run, that's exactly who you want for the playoffs. Uh, it's a team that, while they've been very consistent with this core that they've had over the last number of years, Marchand, uh, Bergeron, Pasternak specifically, mm -hmm. you'd think they would have won another cup since 2011, but they haven't. Like, you think in your head when you think of all the success the Bruins have had long, yeah. and how good they've been for how long. And they clearly are now the team to beat. They were the team to beat going into the trade deadline, and they're still the team to beat with who they went and got. Yeah, in the last 20 years, only two President's Trophy winners have gone on to win the Cup. Mm -hmm. Like, that's pretty... In fact, there have been double the amount of President's Choice... President's Choice. Just did a free <laughs> ad for Galen. <laughs> <laughs> President's Trophy winners. Four of them have gone out in the first round. Two of them have won the yeah. Cup in the last 20 years. But... Like you said, Boston was a wagon going into the deadline. Mm -hmm. Boston comes out of the deadline, still a wagon, still the first team to 100 points 
ever in 61 games. I'm with you. That's a win as well for me. The eyebrow did go up when you were talking in, in the intro there um, with teams that make a lot of moves at the deadline aren't necessarily always the team that goes Toronto to Maple Leafs. Right. 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 Seven dudes. And there are people out there. I don't think it's going to uh, factor into the Bruins equation because I think they're that good. But there are people out there, I think, who look at the amount of moves that were made by the Bruins, similar to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And maybe you upset the chemistry a little bit when a team that was the fastest team to 100 points, you don't have to work in significant pieces. It's not like they went out and got fourth liners. They got guys that are going to play. And while they are Bruins-type players, so to speak, they are going to have to find a way to work them in. And that's just a little – they still won the deadline, but that's just something to think about if they I had, struggle uh, a little bit. I had written down a bunch of teams that I thought were winners. Uh, the Leafs were among them, but I put in brackets incomplete seven dudes. Six of them are going to be integrated into the roster immediately, mm -hmm. and I have no idea how to grade that until you see how they integrate those six dudes. On paper, they've got a little more sandpaper. They seemingly should be able to compete with Tampa a little better than they would have before the deadline. But for me, it was Bruins. It was the Devils getting Timo Meyer. It was the Rangers getting Kane and Tarasenko. And I'm going to be honest, Kyle Dubas's cross-province rival, Pierre Dorian, in my opinion, had a really good deadline. Mm -hmm. They get a depth center today, and the Jacob Trickern was near best-case scenario for a team that is now... 11-3-1 in their last 15 games. They have, they have played their way into the conversation. And for me, the deadline isn't just about what happens this year. Yeah. It's about the grand scheme. We've all heard it before when the team gives up the draft pick and then we do the trade tree and Steve Dangle posts it on YouTube and yeah. you laugh at what someone gave up for a rental because it turned into an amazing player. What the Sens did here was the opposite of what they've been doing for the past decade, basically. Yes. They added, they added with substance, and they added with term. And I really like their deadline. So for losers, do we have the same answer? I have a couple. All right, go ahead. The Penguins. They added to a team that's already the oldest team in the NHL. They added veteran players. And not to say that they're bad players, but well, the old team what they, got older. What are they going to do with Sidney Crosby on their team? And if getting Malkin, they're going to add kids? No, I think you, ha you have to add substance. Like, you can't just go okay. out and get things well, but around. But you said veterans. You said veterans, and I got worried because that's the only thing you're going to add to that team. You have to win now, and they're not winning now. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that's a real tough situation for yeah, them. Yeah, I, 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 I think Burke. my concern with them is that there wasn't a splash made, and clearly the, they're not having the season that one would think when, when, you, when you think of who's on that team. And Sidney Crosby, it's the twilight of his career, getting close. I shouldn't say that. That's almost disrespectful. But he's getting, <laughs> he's getting up there in age. Yeah, you don't love your Dimitri yeah, Kulikov. Yeah, exactly. I got you. So okay, so the Pens enough. are one. Uh, the Pens are one. I have the uh, Flyers, who didn't do a whole heck of a lot. We, we thought JVR was traded, and he wasn't ultimately traded. And that's just a pending yeah. UFA that's going to leave. Given the price that was being paid, you would have expected Philly to bank some more draft Picks. capital. yeah. Moving yeah. forward. And then three, two, and one. Give your final loser the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, there's no question. There's no question. Did but you have another one there? I had two more. <laughs> oh, my God. Keep going. Uh, I don't think the Jets did enough. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't think the Jets did enough, and I don't think... But then we're in a spot where... 
Okay, listen, I, I don't know if Kevin Shoveldayoff is going to join us later, mm -hmm. but there is a rumor that Kevin Shoveldayoff is going to join us later. Don't you think that he's hamstrung by the way that they have played and all these contracts that are coming off the books in a year and a quarter? Yes, but it feels like three weeks ago we were talking about them as the best team in Canada. But that's not a deadline loser. That's a we haven't played well loser. Are you... We yeah. lost 4 nothing at home to the New York Islanders and had yeah. one shot on goal with 14.44 remaining in the second period. Ultimately, as the general manager, you have to make the determination of what you value as, as more important from what you've seen. Yeah, they're having a rough stretch right now of three weeks, but they've also had a sample size of months where they played really good hockey. And, and obviously, they made the determination that it's not enough to want to add more. But for me, I think they're right there because they're in the Western Conference, which is incredibly wide open, and they can do some damage. They just didn't do enough. But get to Vancouver because it's I, a... I don't think you're looking at the big grand scheme of the Winnipeg sure. Jets. That is a really tough decision that Kevin Sheveldayoff has. And if he joins us, we will discuss that decision with him. But you're right. Tightly bunched, one through eight mm -hmm. in the Western Conference right now, separated by seven points. I thought it was going to be immediate. I didn't think you were going to have a list of 18 different teams <laughs> that you well, thought were losers. I always thought you were the positive guy <laughs> on this table, the feel-good, happy guy. And you're just throwing... I had like seven winners, and I was like, well, am I going to have two losers? Like, I got I to gotta supplement it with a little bit. Jesse's firing well, shots The Canucks here. are the one that's in capital letters on my sheets. Listen, uh, Garland, Besser, Miller, all massively rumored <laughs> to be going somewhere. None of them go anywhere. It's a real tough situation in Vancouver. And I've said from the very start here, Jesse, that this was not a rebuild. Mm -hmm. That's not why Jim Rutherford is in there. And I can't believe how many Canucks fans bought into the eye, even after it was Anthony Beauvillier for Bo Horvat. Mm -hmm. How many fans, media members in Vancouver, were still talking rebuild? It's obvious this is a retool. You're, you're bang on. But I think the frustration comes from the fact that they are not playing well. They don't have a ton of draft capital. Cool. Not I know where the frustration comes from. But it's like even though they're telling you one thing, you see the product and you're like, it it frustrates you to the point where you're you're gonna be mad no matter what. And therein lies the dilemma. So yeah. several Canucks were involved in trade rumors. In the end, Vancouver made just one deal on deadline day to the dismay of many of those fans that we're talking about. Dan Murphy standing by with more on the mood in the lower mainland. Murphy. Tim, just one move on deadline day for the Vancouver Canucks, sending Curtis Lazar to New Jersey for a fourth-round pick. But there was so much noise surrounding this team. Brock Besser, JT Miller, Connor Garland. Would Patrick Alvin be able to make a big splash? Well, at the end of the day, Alvin said they were never close to doing something big. And as for the rumors, there was something on the table for JT Miller. I had uh, one team uh, that reached out to me here uh, this morning. Um, I don't think they were very serious. Um, I never had an offer uh, for JT Miller, so I leave it at that. Now the big addition the Canucks made leading up to the deadline was for Philip Horonic, and the Canucks paid dearly to get him. A first and a second round pick for the 25-year-old defenseman, plus a fourth round selection. Many wondering whether the Canucks should be spending that type of draft capital considering where they are in the standings. Well, Alvin said that fixing the right side of the defense was a priority right now. And as for the cap problems moving forward, says he's confident they'll be cap compliant when they need to be. Tim? 
Thank you very much, Murph, as always. So the report that Alvin was basically responding to was the idea that they said no to a deal to Pittsburgh because it was draft picks back for JT Miller. And if such is the case, then you're in that spot where the idea of any sort of rebuild yeah. is completely and utterly out the window. However, what fans are thinking is, if this deal is going to hamstring us moving forward, guess what? You can take those draft picks and, I don't know, trade those draft picks for players because that's what happened today. A lot of teams traded draft picks for these things called players. Like, it's too logical. It, it, it's 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 shocking what is going on in Vancouver. If that was indeed the case, and there was a later report, Jacob Stoller saying same thing happened basically with Connor Garland that they don't seem to be interested in draft picks. So listen, they really think they're good. Nothing's changed. The front office thinks they're good or ownership. They think they're a good team, and they're no, just I think, close. No, I, I think they believe in their ability to retool this quickly. And I also think that they have to because Jim Rutherford, from the start, again, from the start, sold himself as the retooler because he's done it before. Right. Not the rebuilder. It's, it's fascinating. I think of all the stories, that one might be the most fascinating that we've seen. Over the last week. Well, there is a pretty fascinating story in the uh, in the southern Ontario area. Not only the Ottawa Senators, as we mentioned, in the pickup for Jacob Chikrin, but also the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes, the Toronto Maple Leafs with just uh, one minor deal today, but uh, no team was busier over the last two weeks. Kyle Dubas added a total of six players to the roster, and he addressed the media a short time ago in Vancouver. We feel good about where we're at right now. Um, you know, my uh, like everybody, I think every time you make a trade in the season, especially when you only have about a, less than a quarter of it or a quarter of it to go, you worry about the players coming in and, and um, integrating into the group. I think so far, uh, it's been good. I think it's a, a bit of fortune that we're, excuse me, we're on the road as much as we, we are here. Um, and so it's easier for the guys to come together and we have a, another couple of longer road trips uh, as well. So um, we're happy with where we're at and excited for the last quarter of the season for us to get ourselves ready, uh, secure our spot in the playoffs and then be ready to roll from there. The goal of the team is to win. And I think we've tried to set ourselves up as best possible to give ourselves a best, as good a chance against whomever we contest. And you know, for one, it's, it's clinching our spot and making sure we're in and then getting ourselves ready for whoever that opponent is. I know that uh, what the, the numbers say and with regards to probabilities that, it, that it's going to be one team. Um, it, and so if it is Tampa, we've played them last year. Uh, they're a championship organization every day. So we know how hard it's going to be. The easiest way to put it is hard things are hard. And so what we're about to try to do is going to be extremely difficult. And we have to ready ourselves each day leading into that to clinch our spot and then be ready for what's ahead. It's a... Uh, it's a tough road, and we know that, but I think knowing that is important for our group, and we need that because we have to show that we can overcome that, uh, and we have, to, uh, we have to push through, and uh, that's what's going to lead us to get to where we really want to go to. Hard things are hard. That's the Atlantic Division? Yeah, basically. <laughs> hard things are basically. hard. Basically. The whole Eastern Conference is so, just... Go ahead. Yeah, that's it. It's just it's insane. Yeah, it's, it's an arms race. It's an arms race. It's the it's Eastern exactly it Octagon. Very nice. 
No, no, yeah, not we've very used nice. that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. <laughs> Just make it up. We stole it from Jeff Merrick and Elliot Freeman. Exactly. Um, so hard things are hard. Do you think that the opinion of the Toronto Maple Leafs from the experts out there has changed from pre-deadline or pre-Ryan O'Reilly to where we're at now? Oh, for sure. For yeah? sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think they, they changed not the makeup of the core, but the makeup of the, I want to again disrespectful but periphery like they are deeper they're mm -hmm. more physical now than they were they have the depth on d where you can match up against who you know you're going to be playing in the tampa bay lightning you can structure it so that you have maybe a more physical presence in the early rounds early games in the series and then go to a little bit more skill if that's what the series dictates you have options i am a, a little bit surprised and i want to get your opinion on this a little bit surprised that they didn't maybe look for some insurance in net but kyle dubas obviously has uh, immense confidence in his goaltenders and then the defensemen I, I was curious and I just referenced how the depth I think is going to be important but there's a lot of D it's a lot of D to carry into the postseason so that was yeah. one thing that I was curious so about. you thought maybe they could move one of those D men to maybe get for another forward or backup. maybe for a backup goaltender can, can I like why do you keep disrespecting Joseph Wall well, I just think it's it's tough to rely on someone who doesn't have that many games in the National Hockey League. But it's, he's not going to play in the postseason. Well, he is if Samsonov struggles, maybe. They'll probably be out pretty quickly if Samsonov struggles. So do you struggles, think that Murray's done for the year? I think it's difficult to rely on someone who hasn't been healthy for this amount of time. But who I think knows? that's what they're doing right now is they're going to give Wall, who has great AHL numbers, an opportunity to play in the National Hockey League. He looked pretty good last yeah, night against yeah. the Calgary Flames. They think he's a goal. I've told you from the start, they think he's a goalie. For sure they do. And so they're going to go with Samsonov. They'll let Murray get healthy. And I think that's what the Toronto Maple Leafs are. I don't think they were in the, in the market for a goalie at all. I know what you're saying. There's a lot of excess defensemen. So who's out there? Can they add? I don't know if Jonas Corposalo. I know he played good against the Leafs. And Leaf fans think, yeah. oh, dear God, go get him. But Joseph Wall has a little bit of a pedigree in the AHL. They're going to let him play in the NHL to see if he can be a long term yeah because they also got to look beyond this year even though there aren't contracts beyond this year and maybe Vegas agrees with you because they've gone from 11 to 1 to 9 to 1 the one question I have that will ask Nick Kiprios and Biz Nasty when he joins us here is we all know Kyle Dubas is under pressure that's yesterday's news mm -hmm. but has this deadline put the Leafs core four that hasn't been touched through this entire process under pressure because now they have the surroundings that they may need to take that next step. And we'll ask the experts in a flash. Not just the Leafs in southern Ontario and or Ontario, mm -hmm. but their brethren down the road. Oh, man, the Sens made, Yeah, one trade today, adding center Patrick Brown from the Flyers. But, of course, Ottawa's big move came on Wednesday when they acquired Jacob Chikrin from the Coyotes. Chikrin made his Sens debut last night in a 5-3 win over the Rangers, Ottawa has now won four straight games and set four points out of a playoff spot in the East. At what point, was it one of the Detroit games, or what point did you really say I'm going to flip to be a buyer? I know this might be a bit weird. Boston game. We lost. I said, if we can play with this team on a back-to-back -back and show that kind of effort, and usually I'm always mad after every loss, said, we could be buyers here. The most important thing this year for us was to play meaningful games around the trade deadline. And our young core is growing so much through that. The players are having fun right now. You can tell. 
this group never had this kind of buzz before the Detroit game. So let's let them have fun. Let's let them grow. Let's just see what happens. You never know. Yeah, you never know. 11-3-1 uh, in their last 15. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Now four points back of the New York Islanders awesome for the story. final wild card spot. Uh, I'm in on this. You're on this. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's fun. Feels it, like it, it's fun. Yeah. Feels like the Sens are an organization that just every like couple years they come out of nowhere and just go on this fun run that everybody sort of jumps on the bandwagon. Yeah. yeah. Hamburglar is a perfect example. Pesky Sens. They they tend to do that. I'm gonna get to a lot of the reaction. Uh, over the course of the show on winners and losers because there's a lot of people writing on and who they think won or lost the, the trade. Yeah, we'll do so your we'll feedback in the third segment yeah. of the show. Paul Bissonnette is coming up in a flash. I got to ask though, did Pierre Dorian mush Vladdy? Did he mush Vladdy? Yeah, he was talking to Kyle Bukowskis and here's what he said. You got your defenseman. Uh, what else is on your wish list between now and 3 o'clock? Um... Vladdy Guerrero to hit a home run today. That's right. They do play this afternoon. Yeah. On Sportsnet. Yeah, the Jays continuing their spring oh, no. schedule today as they hosted the Rays in Dunedin. Of note, George Springer in the outfield for the first time this spring starting in center field. While Kevin Gossman made his spring debut, expected to need some time to adjust to the pitch clock and the new rules and the tapping of the toe and the thing. So why did I bring up Pierre, Dorian, and Vladdy. Well, I'll just wait just a second. Top of the first, runner on third, Jose Siri. Just making sure my phone didn't talk back to me. Uh, one of his three strikeouts over an inning and a third. Now, here's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He singles up the middle off Drew Rasmus, and Bo Bichette slides safely at home. Guerrero takes second on the play. However, there was an awkward step or two. He was forced to leave the game due to right knee discomfort. So you wonder future yeah. World Baseball Classic. Meanwhile, George Springer making his first start in the outfield this spring. Hits one deep and off the wall that scores a run 3-1. Then top of the third, two on, two out. Francisco Mejia, deep fly ball. Springer, hey, chasing it down. Basket catch, not quite Willie Mays, but pretty nice. Looks pretty good. Healthy. Top seven, five, four, Tampa. Josver Zuleta, third-ranked prospect in the Jays organization on the mound after allowing a hit and a walk. Show some stuff. Ooh, there you go. Mm. Bottom nine, Jays down one bases loaded. Rainer Nunez steps up. Does he hit the grand salami, Jesse? Nah, he's kooky, he's crazy, he's nutty, he's just off the wall. That a walk-off single, James takes 7-6, but no one cares that they took it 7-6. Everyone talking about Vladdy's injury, including John Schneider. Right now, just checking it out, seeing how he is. Just right knee discomfort. We'll see how he feels tomorrow. Just really playing it safe at this point in this part of camp. Do you know if that happened in the game, or did he bring that? No, I think it was kind of like when he went to second base after the base hit. Kind of awkwardly went into second, but um, we'll see how he is tomorrow, but not too worried. I've heard that before. <laughs> as long as it's not, uh, George Springer ran the bases today. I think we're going to be okay. Remember that? Oof. 
All right, more of your feedback Ooh. on the trade deadline. We'll take the break. We'll get uh, reaction throughout as we take you to 7 p.m. Eastern time. Elliot Friedman, Nick Kiprios, Paul Bissonette, a.k.a. Biz Nasty, all joining in studio. Kevin Dayoff will join Kipper and I. Plus, we continue to hear from the other Canadian GMs with our reporters with the Canadian teams across the country. Deadline is passed. Back to Biz after this. And let me just tell you, Jesse's got a little skin in the game today. Actually, a lot of skin yeah. in the game. Yeah, got it. Connor Zeri. You guys think you can help Connor Zeri? You guys think you can help me? Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Look at here. We knew him when he was just biz nasty. 1.0. Bring the energy. Come on, man. Are you tired yet? Not anymore after that intro you kind of just came in with. Well, hold on a second here because I actually wrote one here because we knew him when he was Biz Nasty 1.0 telling us amazing stories back in the day on our Rinky Dink radio show. Now we got you on a Rinky Dink yeah, TV show. I've gone woke. I'm not saying anything funny on the show right now. <laughs> you're not? You're, not? No. you're just going to... I'm a, I'm a complete Karen, I, so. I, I did watch the. Fetch, I came to complain about you. Oh, did you? Really? <laughs> Can you lodge those complaints no, no, with the executive? Just, no. Maybe. Yeah. All right, so listen. You've turned all of those amazing stories that you used to tell us on the Rinky Dink radio show into one of the biggest podcasts in the sport and one of the biggest empires in the sport. And I know people think you come in, hey, I'm going to bring the energy, I'm the funny guy. You've done amazing with all this ish. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate that. And, like, the fact that you supported me for so long, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. And all, all I can say is that we've, we've built an awesome team and everybody pulls their weight. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been a heck of a ride. I hope it can keep going. I'll give you one. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is that? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We never lost. Do you have any other sound effects? I can double up. Give, double me up. A, give me a Toronto Maple Leaf sound effect uh, for this playoff know. run they're about to go on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Some people dog their, their goal song, but uh, I, I asked yeah, Matthew we, and so on. We did. And, yeah, we did. and I said, like, it's time for the goal song. I'm Time for the goal song to go. And Matthew's agreed with me. Yeah, you said Matthew's on here? Yeah, well, every once in a while Was they he have sitting to. in this chair? No, he doesn't. No one comes in studio. Oh, it was just I'm taking the chair. I'm taking it, putting it on eBay. Matthew sat right here. Matthew sat here. will be sniffing it. We can't say that, can we? I don't think so. Okay, we'll stop um, with that. So do you enjoy this deadline day stuff or what? So everything in the lead up was awesome. Today it's just the little trades that go through. Everybody really got ahead of it this year. But it, first of all, coming here was awesome, though. The staff was incredible, getting to hang out with all the guys. I mean, I used to play with Kobe. Right. I used to play with Getzlov and, uh, and Stewie. I actually won a, an under-18 gold medal with those guys. Yeah. I didn't really do much. I was a bit of a fourth. fourth well, I was a D-man then, but I was still a plug. But uh, that actually Getzlov, who I'm – going straight barber on right there. He's a good-looking fellow. Yeah, I'm just going to say that. I mean, the guy's probably worth 60 sheets. You think he had a barber <laughs> who didn't get lazy behind the ears, but I have to help the guy out. Uh, but, hey, uh, don't slide Gus like that, we right? Were, we went to uh, Yaroslav, Russia. First and only time I'd ever been to Russia, and yeah. Getzlav put the team on his back and helped us win a gold medal. He was MVP of the tournament. Decent player. And then you know, a couple months later at the draft, obviously changed the, the, the entire uh, trajectory of that Anaheim franchise. So just get, overall, I know I'm rambling here, but great to see everybody with the Sportsnet crew and just very, very blessed to be here. Do you buy into everything that we do in this country surrounding the deadline day? Like, do you really think it's that important? I think it's a national holiday at this point. <laughs> it, it, is. Is. it is. It is. But is that ridiculous? I think that we should actually, Gary should uh, uh, force 
all the teams to hold the trades till the actual deadline <laughs> yeah, day yeah, if the league don't yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. and you get on board with oh, that 100% we should get a, maybe a Twitter poll going on through your social media yeah. should Gary force the teams I love that to hold it to the last day and then they do it much like the draft although we had fun this week like there was a lot going on this week and it made There's, for some good shows I'm, I think I am yeah I am like the, the trade deadline week is way better than the trade deadline day in my correct mind. I think that, the, well, Lou got the party started yeah. with the Horvat with the thing. Horvat, I think yeah. over the, the last two, two, two and a half weeks, it's been a great trickle effect of right. one thing happening to keep at least the conversation going. Right. So to retract and completely contradict myself, I like, <laughs> I like the way that it's played out. <laughs> I like you agree with yeah, me on yeah. it too. Uh, and when I think Lou, I think party, right? Lou Lamarillo. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I think. I think party. I, right? First of all, I think that uh, he's such a, a big character in the, throughout the game's history, and yeah. just some of these funny stories here. We were actually mentioning a few up top where he was. He, he likes control yeah, and I control know. the team. But going back to when he was with New Jersey, he would actually, uh, if guys were out past curfew, he would ask the guy at the hotel desk as soon as, like, let's say curfew was 11 o'clock, he would have them put a stick out for any players that would come in past curfew to sign the stick. So they would basically <laughs> snitch on themselves where they thought that they were just doing a nice thing for a fan That's at the front amazing. desk. So <laughs> Lou, Lou is a very, very sneaky <laughs> man. So good. He's very, very sneaky. Oh, man. He's awesome. Um, before Tampa got to the bold moves with Goudreau and, and um, Coleman and Paul and Savard, the cup champ never really made moves at deadlines. You've been in the room. You're a chemistry guy. You you made the league basically on being a chemistry guy. Can you upset chemistry by putting too much in a room at a deadline or switching that maybe was a, a key guy out? That was question, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it's also, you, know, you know where it also is? Is because I know you said that you liked LA's deadline. I did. And they moved quick. Do you, want to go, do you want me to start there? Wherever you want to start, because I don't need to that, go Leafs as much as everyone thinks that I want to go Leafs. I'm sure that was just as difficult for Rob Blake as it was for, for Jonathan Quick. And, you know, I think that with the start of the year that he had and maybe where things were going, Copley ended up taking over. They had success. To, for it to have played out the way it did where they have to call him off the bus, yeah, nightmare scenario, PR nightmare. Now all of a sudden you have a fueled Jonathan Quick going to a team that you might potentially play in the yeah. first round. Yeah. So he might go on a spite tour. But I but just, the other dudes in that room, like that's a well-liked guy too, no? But, but in the same breath, you have Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty who aren't getting any younger as okay. part of that core group okay. where a couple weeks from now, you got to forget about this and play. Right. You look at their top nine. Excellent top nine. I would say the deepest, if not tied for the deepest, amongst the Western Conference. Right. And you see them a lot. And yeah, right. and 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 their back end is extremely underrated. I would have said they were missing one piece on the back end, so they end up getting Gavrikov in that trade where they get Corpusalo. Now, I you know I was like, well, I know he's an athletic goaltender, and it's hard to evaluate when you're playing on a team like Columbus. I ended up going to the professional Henrik Lundqvist, who who joins us on the uh, TNT panel. Nice. And when I I said Good I like drop. this move, do you? And he was like, I like this guy a lot. Really? Extremely athletic, and and has learned to control that athleticism with not being a little bit overzealous and overcommitting on shots. So that's why, I mean, I, I asked Hank, and if Hank likes it, I'm just agreeing with everything that he says. So, yeah, that's a decent so name drop. going to the Leafs side, I think that, that, yes, they've shaken things up where they've clearly gone to the physical side of things, and that's yeah. what they addressed. They did that to to go against Tampa and worry about their first-round matchup. I mean, you look at Tampa's bottom six. 
I, I agree with those moves. Now, what would the one thing you say about Toronto's offense that you like the most is how sometimes the D-men get involved. Yeah. You had Lindgren and Sandine who could kind of create this five-man cycle where sometimes you got the F3 dipping up and the other guy, and it confuses the, the, the back end for the other team. Yeah. So all of a sudden when 20 games before playoffs, you're inserting a guy like Sandine out of that side yeah. and you're putting all these new bodies in, yeah, it can mess up the chemistry a bit. But you got 20 games to figure it out. That's a quarter of the season. If they can't do it, well, then, hey, I guess they're hitting the, hitting the golf course and the links like the rest of us. All right, Ruby, I hear you got something over there. Yeah, well, we asked immediately, obviously, should the NHL make all the teams hold their trades until deadline day, as Biz uh, suggested, and it's 83%. Absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. All right. Okay. But you walked, in fairness, you walked it back. So well, I right. contradicted myself, yeah, exactly. so I'm on your guys' exactly. side, so we all win. <laughs> all right, the, the Bruins, we said this off the top, like, the Bruins were a wagon going in. Yeah. They're a wagon coming out. Like, this is, I know I gave the President's Trophy numbers, and I don't know if you know, but in the last 20 years, only two President's Trophy winners have won the Cup. Yeah. And four have gone out in the first round. Last three President's Trophy winners out in the second round. So this is different, right? Well, I would look at that core group and, and the leadership in that locker room and say there's no way they're getting bounced first round. And I think that what, what the Boston Bruins organization did was they pushed all their chips in the middle. They have leveraged a decent amount of the future in order to acquire these guys and, and, and as protection too because I think Hall, Hall's on the IR right now and so is Felino. So they go address those and then even make the back end even deeper with Orlov. Mm -hmm. I would say probably the deepest back end that we've seen in the last 20 to 25 years why would you make that no, nod? No, we're, we're watching uh, we're watching video of the the, 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 the bees just yeah, buzzing yeah, around. Buzzing, yeah. uh, but <laughs> but I think that th those though that core group and especially with Bergeron having not you know he's on the back nine he might even retire after this year. You have to show them the respect and push all the chips in the middle right. and make a move like that. Right, I'm with you. Okay, so I, I know Biz has done BC. It's a documentary for those who haven't seen it. Don't walk the road that I'm not going to walk or I wasn't going to walk a second ago. So I got to ask you about what's going on in Vancouver because the fan, listen, that fan base is very particular. The media is very, they're tough. They're tough as nails on that team. They are not happy right now. Do you think that they can actually retool with this team? Like, I know they've got pieces. I respect, Elias Pettersson is unbelievable. Hughes is good. They've Kuzmenko's worked out really well. I know they have pieces, but it feels like they are not going anywhere near what you're watching in Arizona with the rebuild. They're trying to retool on the go, and that to me seems like a tough thing to try. Yeah, I, I mean, it all started with that JT Miller trade when he originally came over. I'm like, what are they doing? They got to be bad for another, you know, maybe two, three years here, and then they're going to be in a good spot. And then all of a sudden, even more, where they ended up bringing Oliver Ekman Larson over as well with Garland, and now all of a sudden they're in cap hell. In fact, right now they're over the cap for next season, yeah. so they're going to have to figure good out. Luck. Good yeah, luck. Yeah, they're going to have to figure out to move guys out, and we're talking about potentially a lottery team at this point. Mm. You're over the cap, and you're going to be a lottery team. I don't believe in the retool. I do believe the fact that with talk there, he will be able to provide them the information as what they need to yeah. do that. But until those contracts, un unless all of a sudden uh, they got Adam Foote there and Sergey Gonchar helping out with the D squad. Right. So if there's anybody who can get uh, Myers and Oliver Ekman Larson now playing yeah. up to what their cap is, it's those two guys. I mean, those guys are proven cup winners and, and geniuses of the game. But Overall, if you're not going to get those salaries off the books, I just 
I just can't see how they're going to do it. I love that you mentioned the Tockett point. Good Scarborough boy, by the way. He's, um, he's, I got to work with him at TNT. Yeah. One of the best guys I've ever met. Extremely knowledgeable about hockey. So passionate. We, you know, we would be going in these TNT broadcasts, and yeah. all afternoon he'd just be fired up. He's, <laughs> and, and if you would say something that would maybe a, a, a non-agreeable to him, he would challenge you right away and back in your court. Geez, talk. I'm just trying to <laughs> relax before the broadcast here, man. But just a, an ultimate guy's guy, and, and I'm so happy that he got back where he belongs in a coaching seat. But I wrote my notes, and, and I just just exactly what you said. Like, talk it's there to figure it out. Yeah. Who's in and who's in the way. Yeah. And they're going to figure that out quickly. Yeah. And that's ex- like, there's no messing around. If, if this is a real, real retool, the only reason he was brought in was to do exactly what you said. Walk into that room and figure out who's in and who's in the way. Yeah, he's, he's just a great evaluator of talent. And, you know, I know that maybe his head coach resume is, is not where some people would say, oh, well, but he was an assistant coach with the Pittsburgh Penguins when they won back-to-back right. cups. He's been around champions his entire life. He won it, uh, I want to say he won it once or twice as a player. So I think he's got three Stanley Cups total. So he knows what he's doing. He understands exactly what he needs uh, as far as players playing in a system. Right. And I think if you've watched enough Vancouver Canucks games, you would say the amount of high danger scoring chances they allow and just how how they don't know how to manage the puck in certain game situations mm-hmm. where at the start of the year they would have two, three goal leads and they'd be blowing them like crazy. Oh, right. So these, these skilled players and, and guys that you're talking about, like Pedersen, they have to learn when you're up to nothing that managing the game and, and maybe putting a puck in a corner as opposed to trying to toe drag at the line right. is just how you're going to eventually win more hockey games and become a successful franchise. I saw you at like uh, 10.45 talking about a bourbon at Boston Pizza. Is that yes. what you go do now? Actually, for, for me right now, just because of the schedule, I'm off the alcohol. I will All go right. from now until Good after playoffs. I mean, I can't pace myself. You know, I, if I go <laughs> for two, one. next thing you know, it's three days later. I'm calling my mom from West, for Western Union. <laughs> Said help, mom. But uh, I will not right now. But I might go. Uh, I might go grab a few. Uh, I like. I like the cannabis. Are we allowed to talk about weed on this show? Well, I mean, it's legal now, so I think you're, you know, uh, say no to it, kids. But, yeah, well, you have to follow the rules and be of age. Of course uh, you you, Before you hit the bong. Come on here. (laughs) Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate you, John. Don't be doing the Sour Patch Kid edibles out there, you young folks. No, young folks, yeah. Yeah. Don't uh, be doing it, young folks. Young folks, don't do it. Hey, thanks for having me, man, and congrats on all your guys' success, and this was a blast. Thanks for getting me going after the deadline. All right, there is Paul Biss. Nick Kiprios coming up, Elliot Friedman coming up. Your big feedback dogs. next on Tim's Warming them up. The big dog's coming. Holy crap, that was a whirling dervish. My goodness. The silence during the break was like, what a difference. <laughs> <laughs> I, con- I constantly talk about Ken Reed. When he comes into the yeah. studio, it's just like he takes the energy level up to here. That was that was 2.0, as that, Biz likes to say. Yeah. That was <laughs> Ken Reed 2.0. Yeah, it was Ken Reed 2.0. That was yeah. crazy. I thought it was just me. No, no. I sat Infectious there energy. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. My goodness, we yeah. gotta like carry it the rest of the way here. Hour and eight I, I minutes. I don't think that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I do not think that's possible. Uh, We're gonna get to a bunch of feedback yeah. uh, in just a flash. But the Oilers very quiet today after getting all their business done earlier in the week. Some fans hoping maybe for a little bit more on the back end, but a successful week for Ken Holland when all is said with more. Our boy, Gene Principe. Tim, let's get right to it. Edmonton Oilers fans can uh, 
well, they can breathe a sigh of relief because I know a lot of them were, uh, shall we say, lacking some patience after they saw so many moves by so many teams, especially uh, days before the deadline, particularly out east. So they waited on their general manager, Ken Holland, and he delivered in one day, importantly getting a top four defenseman with playoff experience and Stanley Cup experience in Matthias Ekholm. And then from Arizona, he was able to acquire a forward that gives them depth who can play wing and center so going into the deadline that's what the GM wanted which means that's what fans wanted and that's what the Oilers needed to have success this is a Western Conference finalist last year and the general manager is trying to find the exact pieces to push them forward now Tim has he done that well in the words of the general manager and president of hockey operations we'll see so we'll have to wait and see if the moves going into the deadline make Edmonton a real qualifier to be the best team in the NHL. Well, we got the best player in the NHL, and most people know that. The one thing that I think is underrated about the at-home deal is that you put less pressure on Darnell Nurse and Cody Ceci sure. as that top-line D pairing, and you hope that Evan Bouchard can have his mistakes cleaned up by a guy who has cleaned up a lot of mistakes because you're putting a little bit of pressure on the kid, right? Like this no is, doubt. This is a tough spot for him to be in. He's going to step into Tyson Berry's spot, probably on the power play, also going to see more minutes. So th there's going to be some increased pressure, and you just hope that the presence of Ekholm and the, the veteran presence of Ekholm will help. They belong in the, the winners category, I think, too. They were uh, they yeah. were very close on my yeah. winners and losers, but you were rifling through a bunch of different things. Yeah. I, I feel like I need to wait and see on this one, too. But given the Western Conference, they're as good as anyone out there. Oh, yeah. No, you, you, oh, I remember. You shot me down big time on my uh, Ekholm re reaction yesterday. Remember that? No, I don't. It's yeah. all a whirlwind. I'm sorry. Okay, that's fine. It's fine. Nasty get, just, yeah. yeah, okay. So Ron writes in and says Biz was great. Laughs and edutainment uh, galore. So there's <laughs> there is reaction piling yeah. in on Biz. Love uh, him or hate him. He brings uh, some some edutainment to the, to the square. Best guest of all time, <laughs> says Mark. It's been a while. And he is just getting absolutely roasted. I don't have time to grab all of the comments underneath this poll, but his idea that all teams should hold their deadline day is just getting... Well, that's just because it was so destroyed quiet today. It wasn't, in it wasn't the a comments. real thing. It and wasn't he, a real thing. And he actually took it back like two seconds later. People don't care. They, they <laughs> no, see the poll. No, now we, I think we did him dirty a no, little bit. we did do him dirty. <laughs> uh, Alright, getting back to winners and losers. We posted this uh, immediately after the trade deadline or shortly after. Uh, Mark says the Leafs are winners. They got bigger for once, which... Yes, they did get a little bit bigger, especially in the back end. Um, Big Flames guy says the Rangers and the Bruins. Yeah. That's three Eastern Conference teams. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike, best team in the NHL, made their team deeper, more skilled, and more truculent, even with losing Hall and Felino. Just can't imagine. Those I, uh, guys come back, too. I, the the Felino, I'll never forget when the Leafs got Felino. I thought it was a great pickup yeah. for Toronto. And then he got hurt, and he was never effective in the postseason. And I, I thought, like, imagine playing a team with Nick Foligno on the third line. That's what the Boston Bruins are. I think people are discounting how big a loss this could be mm -hmm. to Boston. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I wonder if they're going to have the services of those two guys. Uh, Josh says, uh, Coyotes director of finance was the big winner. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, Peter, the Tampa Bay Lightning, because their championship winning forwards get to shoot on a backup goalie in Toronto. Oh, snap. Snap big time. Well, whoever they play against, you know that they will have the better goalie. That said, save percentage National Hockey League. Toronto Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay Lightning yeah. teams. 
dead even. Campbell wasn't the problem exact last year. Same. Yeah. Time for a break. Plenty more trade deadline reaction. We'll look ahead to the stretch run. We might talk. Troy Stetcher. Nick Kiprios will join us second hour. Elliot Friedman. We're hearing Brad Treliving and Kevin Shevel Day off on this deadline. What the hell was that? Freege on the ice in a suit. Love it. Tim and Friends continues. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdogs back here. Hour number two. Tim and friends, you didn't see the rest of the desk because there's guys waiting to talk. Trade deadline has come and gone. Kiprios and Elliot Friedman in studio momentarily. Plus, Kevin Sheffield-Dayoff will join us. Brad Treliving will join us. Flames GM and also the Jets GM. But let's get you caught up to date on what ended up being a relatively quiet deadline day. 21 trades, but... No real big names. Let's get you caught up to date. Biggest name, probably John Klingberg, who was traded from the Ducks to the Wild for a 2025 fourth-round pick. Andre Schuster and forward prospect Nikita Nestorenko. Anaheim is retaining half of Klingberg's $7 million cap hit. They signed him to trade him, and they traded him. The Jets have acquired forward Vladislav Nemestikov from the Sharks for a fourth-round pick. Nemestikov was traded from Tampa to San Jose on Wednesday. Lightning retaining half of his $2.5 million hit. Second forward, Winnipeg is added after picking up Nino Ninerider last week. Again, Shovel Dayoff will join us in a flash. Interesting trade between the Flames and the Coyotes as they swap Ritchie brothers. Calgary gets Nick Ritchie and veteran defenseman Troy Stetcher from Arizona. Brett Ritchie, Connor Mackey go back the other way. Senators added some forward depth as they get Patrick Brown from the Flyers. Six-round pick goes the other way. Meantime, the Canucks made just one move today. A lot of people thought there might be more. The one move, Curtis Lazar to the Devils in exchange for a fourth-round pick. All right, Sabres added forward Jordan Greenway from the Wild in exchange for a second-round pick in this year's draft and a fifth-round pick in 2024. While the Penguins, linked to a lot of names, end up with Dmitry Kulikov from the Ducks, sending Brock McGinn and a third-round pick to Anaheim. The aforementioned Elliot Friedman straight from the uh, trade <laughs> deadline extravaganza. And Nick Kiprios from Kipper and Born. I need a scotch and a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in about 10, actually, I don't care. You could have a scotch and a cigar in here. I'd be I would, if I could, If there was stuffing in here, I would drink <laughs> it right now. There is. There is. I would have definitely we, taken it. We do have sure. a I'd drink fridge it right over now. there, Elliot. I'd drink it right now, <laughs> right on the air. All right, so uh, I hate doing winners and losers on trade deadline day because... It's an incomplete paper that we're grading here. We're going to have to see how it works out over the final 20 and then, of course, when it matters most. But who do you like so far? I'll start with you, Kipper. I, Boston Bruins. Uh, when, when you watch Orlov uh, step out of Washington and go into Boston and have such a big impact, I think eight, eight points in four games, which we don't necessarily look at Orlov as a, an offensive juggernaut mm-hmm. or anything like that, but uh, a big presence on a blue line that already has a big presence. 
Uh, you factor in Hathaway, who very much has a style of the Boston Bruins of being a hard nose, and it just seems like they've checked all the boxes. Even with the uh, injuries to Hull and Felino, they go out and find a way to uh, drop a first rounder on Tyler Bertuzzi. This is the team to beat. There's no mm -hmm. question about that. And uh, have they battled enough adversity over 60 games so far, or is there something more coming uh, down the pike for them? What remains to be seen, but that's the team with the, the highest bar right now. I completely agree with you. They're the best team in the NHL, and they made themselves better. And I don't think they did it in a way. Like, one of the things I'm, I'm kind of watching with some of these teams that add is, does it throw your group off? Right. Like, do, do people get upset because they had a role before and now they don't? I remember you guys in 94, you brought in all those guys, and, yeah. and you guys managed it. And we were in first place and, that year. And you're, if you're the best team in the NHL, won the Stanley Cup. I think Boston is a mature team that can say, we're going to bring these guys in and nothing's going to get thrown off. You know, I would say the two teams I was expecting more from, Tim, mm -hmm. were Tampa Bay okay. and Winnipeg. I thought Tampa would add a defenseman. I think they tried. That didn't happen. And Winnipeg, I thought, would add a bit more than they did. Didn't happen. They're out of assets, Tampa Bay. I think they just ran yeah, out of pieces to get uh, anything of significant. Mm -hmm. uh, just to touch base a little bit on so many changes, and we'll include the Toronto Maple Leafs and all of that, too, in, in terms of changing a bit of the chemistry. I really believe that if, if you've got the right personnel that just know what, where how, how to stay in their lane, Mm -hmm. i.e. Uh, role players like Achari um, and Lafferty right. uh, and then you've got also on Boston side Hathaway mm -hmm. that it, it's not that big of an issue that right. they can that they can come in do their jobs punch the clock go home do it again over and over again and chemistry would not be an issue so you're not worried about there's a lot of talk today about how many pieces yeah. the leafs added and whether or not they can acclimate those pieces the way they play the way the pieces that came have, in play you i have, have no word. doubt in my mind as fresh as these faces are not even knowing fully how the system works they are a better team today uh, than they were two weeks ago, and without a doubt, a deeper team than the one that lost to Tampa Bay last year in the first round. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk to Kevin Shoveldayoff a little later on, uh, Elliot, and you mentioned the Jets, and I just wonder how much, and maybe I can ask him this as well, but how much is he hamstrung by what they've done in the last six games mm -hmm. and what the contracts look like in about a year? I don't know. Like I would say that what they've done in the last six games made them pause a bit. I think the biggest thing with them is they don't have a lot of draft capital and they want to be careful about that, which I actually think is smart. Like I think Sheveldayoff has the toughest GM job in the NHL. I really does. I do because they, the the, the pool of players that they have available to them that are from other teams might be lower than anybody else like we all talk about how a lot of players have Canadian teams I have a 70 team no trade list it's all the Canadian teams right. and and Winnipeg I think deals with that probably more than anybody else like I do think they were interested in Timo Meyer. I think they planned on taking a run at Timo Meyer, and you know but they couldn't do it unless they had a reason to believe that they had a shot at re-signing him and they didn't and uh, and that's why I think they passed on that kind of a move so I, I think that between you know the pool of players available to them and the fact that they struggled and don't have a lot of picks um, I like Nemesnikov as a player I heard Ottawa was on him too and I think Winnipeg actually quote-unquote won him from Ottawa that's a good sign for them but I think it was it limits what they can really do and when you go into a week like this it 
it's almost as if you're jamming a, a square peg in a, in a round hole. And, you know, Elliot makes an excellent point with uh, Timo Meyer that if he's not going to be in a position to sign long term, how, how can I go get him? Right. What you end up doing is convincing yourself in a few months everything gets revisited in a, in a draft in the summer. You invite more teams in and you start looking at a broader picture on how I'm going to replace potentially Shifley, Wheeler, um, Dubois. And, Dubois, and you just can't do that this week. And, and right. uh, Carlson, Eric Carlson's having arguably a career year uh, much like he had in Ottawa, and there's just no time for San Jose to piece something together to get him moved. This guy's going to get traded, and it could be as early as this summer mm-hmm. because he's he's got his stock back up. Right. This is it has to happen for San Jose to move him in the next three four months, but it's going to be over the summer. It's not going to be in a scenario of what we just witnessed this week. Uh, and you know what, Tim? I think, it, and I completely agree with Nick. I think he gets dealt this summer. I think the same thing happened with Vancouver and Pittsburgh. I think they were talking about something big and potentially, but it's been on and off and on and off. And I think that one of the real issues was that Pittsburgh didn't have what Vancouver really wanted. And so, therefore, they were like, okay, can we evolve a third team? Can we go get what Vancouver really wants and then make the deal? And then Pittsburgh's also looking, if we had a big salary right now, we have to move players out too. It's, it was too complicated to do right now. The summer gives you more of a chance. So, so that was on the table. I know, listen, uh, Canucks Twitter has been pissed off most of the year, and I don't want to yeah. piss them off yeah. anymore. With good right, though. Right, and I understand that. But where are we today? And, like, I get... Maybe you can revisit this in the offseason, but it feels like another disappointing round for the Vancouver Canucks. Look, I, 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 look, Patrick Alvin came on in in his post media address, post deadline address, and said our goal is to make the playoffs next year. I think whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it, that is the direction of the franchise. And that's been the direction the whole time. Yes, that is the direction of the franchise. So, like, I know some, I know some people don't like it. Um, but that's, you know, when, when you get that mandate, mm-hmm. that's your mandate. But, but that's like, so if there was a deal, and I guess it just comes down to uh, the particulars on it. But I said here, if, if they were offered draft picks and could have moved JT Miller, you could move those draft picks in the offseason too and get players back if you're, we all know they're going for a retool. Like, why not accept the deal and then use that capital later? It, it depends on what everything is. Like, I, I have to see what yeah. it is. Like, Vancouver's made it very clear that they don't want to do it. Like, they don't want to do it unless they can say, this is our ready-made replacement. That's why I think, like, so everybody's hung up. Patrick Alvin says there's no offer for Miller today. I think he's telling the truth. There's no specific offer. But that doesn't mean they didn't discuss it. And that doesn't mean that Pittsburgh or uh, Vancouver didn't say to Pittsburgh or anyone else, if you want us to do this, we need to know we have this. Mm-hmm. And what's the hard, one of the hardest things to find in the NHL? An under-25 center who can play. Right. I'm not, uh, not going to sit there and say it's not possible to, to even be in a position to make the playoffs next year. The, the biggest problem in Vancouver is that if you're a fan right now, you don't really know um, 
uh, whether or not it's it's not a normal build like if we compare it to like even the Leafs where you just watch a young group come up together and you season them together it's or as if the, the senators the senators the lead, you know, another, another excellent example right. yeah but right now uh, as a Vancouver Canuck I, all I've got um, is customer confusion Right. when I watch this team and does the left hand know what the right hands doing and who's in charge you're you've got a general manager he doesn't act like a general manager you got a president who uh, acts like a general manager uh, one minute you're telling me uh, J, uh, Bo Horvat's the guy and we're gonna trade JT Miller the next thing you know JT Miller's the guy that you sign and you move out Bo, Bo Horvat mm -hmm. and it's just like what are we doing here right who and I think when you look at a guy like Pedersen right now, mm -hmm. who's on a short-term deal, like he's watching it as well, going, do you, do you guys know what you're doing here? Is this what I want to be a part That's of? That's the worry in Vancouver, Well, here's, right? here's the thing. I always say this. I hate putting words in people's mouth. Right. The proof on Pedersen will be when they make him the offer. Does he take it or does he not? Like, one of the things, like, I've seen a lot. I've seen people say, oh, this guy will never sign here or this guy won't sign here because he doesn't like this, this, and this. And sometimes they sign. Mm -hmm. And I've had players say to me, I don't like it when people put words in my mouth. Like, you know, Pedersen's done a lot of interviews. He's on After Hours with Scott Owick. It was a great interview. Everybody can guess what his motivations are and what he thinks. But until they make him the offer, which we all know is going to be a big offer, if he says yes, no reason to worry. But if he says no, it's a five-alarm blaze. But we'll, we'll only know then when they actually make him the offer. Uh, listen, the West is tightly bunched, uh, one through eight, separated by seven points. The Edmonton Oilers go out and they get Ekholm. They add a little depth. Do you think they've done enough in the West? I really love a, a shutdown guy uh, like Ekholm, and I think they're they're rare to find. And once you get one, uh, you feel real good about it. And I get it; he's a little older, um, but I, I think the style of play and the way he carries himself and takes takes uh, his. Uh, his conditioning, uh, all of it comes into play. I, I think he can play a high level for another three, four years. Um, so I love the shutdown feel uh, for their goaltenders who are still, I think, feeling a little nervous. <laughs> Edmonton should be a team uh, where we look at and they say, there's no reason why we shouldn't see this group in a conference final or even a, a Stanley Cup final if uh, if Ekholm can come in, play mm -hmm. half a game, and uh, do his best to, to give the goaltending a chance. I, I love him, and I think the other thing, too, that was a big win was just the way he embraced it. He gets on the private planes. Yeah. My, my wife loves snow. We can't wait to come <laughs> yeah. up here. It's good that you like snow. Yeah. You're gonna that get might it. have been the smartest thing that he said <laughs> ever. But, but I think, like, because they lost a guy in Barry who really, like, you saw him today. He thanked on our show, he thanked the Edmonton fans. He loved being in Edmonton. He really loved being a part of it. So for Ekholm, not only to be the type of player that Nick just talked about, but also the way he talked about going there, that's that's a big W for them. Without a doubt. Um, I wanted to get to Calgary. We'll have Bradshaw Living on a little bit later. Um, I spoke about Shovel Day Off being hamstrung. I feel like they're in a similar boat where you've got a team that's kind of built for now. Some interesting contracts moving forward. Did you want to see them do more than swapping Richie Brothers? Their trade deadline was prior to the season. We know that. And Brad Tree Living's just in a, a tough spot here. He's a week 
of good hockey away from being back in the playoffs. And there's just no sense of, of, of bailing uh, the depth move. I know he was interested in Luke Shen too as yep. well. But I, I don't know where that was with a, a third-round pick coming from them. Um, Nick Ritchie, we know he's got that, that potential. We watched it uh, on a few teams now to be a, a great influential type of player, but no consistency and sleepy on a lot of nights. Daryl can light a fire under this guy. If, if Daryl can't do it, I don't know where else he goes, Elliot. You know, I, I, today Tree Living was like Reggie Roby. He punted. Into the uh, into the summer and uh, solid Reggie. Roby I remember reference. Reggie Roby oh, yeah. was my favorite yeah. punter. He used to get that leg so far. Oh off. man, yeah. <laughs> he can really kick. Much more flexible than I am. That's for sure. But you know, basically, uh, you know, they, he basically said, "We're going to wait to see how the rest of the season plays out, and if we have to do surgery, we'll do it in the summer." That's that's basically what he right. said. Uh, we got a note about uh, perhaps a conversation that we had earlier on in the show, Jesse, the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltending situation. We were talking about the Leafs goaltending. Yeah, uh, Luke Fox is reporting, among others, uh, the plan is for Matt Murray to start Saturday. Yeah, Vancouver. In Vancouver. Yeah. All right, so it uh, looks like they've given Matt Murray his rest. They've got three goaltenders. Jesse was asking, maybe would they move one of those defensemen for? I think they really like Joseph Wall. No, I think they do. I, I like. I heard all week there was zero percent chance that they were going to trade for a goalie. Uh, and I think the only thing not, wasn't only about Wall, but I think they looked at it as, are, are we going to have to pay for something that isn't much better than what we have? Mm. Right. And I think that was a big thing that they were talking about. Like, is there anything really out there? that's better than what we've got that we won't have to pay a ridiculous price and for. And the last chance or the last look was Jonathan Quick, and we know he ended up in Vegas. But again, that probably would have cost them another uh, draft pick for someone else to even pick up 25% mm -hmm. of that contract. And, you know, you talk to a few people close in L.A., and they mm -hmm. say that Jonathan Quick was done like two years ago. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, it, it was just—it just wasn't worth their while to do that. I've never seen so much sweat, consternation, whatever worry about from a fan base that has the fourth best goals against average in the National Hockey League as a team. That's the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're fourth in the NHL in Wait, goals against average. Have you, have you watched uh, like the Maple Leafs the last 55 <laughs> well, years? I, That's the way the fans are. I, there, I know. There's been a lot I'm, of things that have gone sideways. I've, I've seen it happen. I continue to watch it with amazement each and every year. And sometimes you could argue they get tricked every year into believing that this is the year. But we'll see. That's the beauty of it. We've got about 20 left. Free, did you say bourbon? Is that what you're looking for? Uh, I'll take either bourbon, scotch, scotch either one. I'm All good right. with it. Buddha. All right, go I'll take the Buddha yeah, for sure. And, and the Buddha, of course. Uh, Fridge, appreciate you doing this. Kevin, can guys. you stick around for yeah, a while? You betcha. Yeah. All right, Rubinoff sticking around. I'm sticking around. We hope you do as well. Flames GM Brad Living. his team, did they do enough? We will check it out next. We'll also talk to uh, Kevin Shoveldayoff as Tim and Friends continues right here on Sports Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Nick Kiprios alongside here on Tim and Friends. Brad living on the way. The Flames making a minor move today. They added Nick Ritchie, dealing him for his brother Brett Ritchie, among others. They also get Troy Stetcher, who can quarterback a power play in that deal, sitting five points out of a playoff spot in the moment in the Western Conference. Let's check in. Calgary, Ryan Leslie, take it away. 
Tim, it's an organization and a fan base that certainly had higher expectations than what we're seeing as far as the Calgary Flames season is concerned. All kinds of talent in the offseason were brought in. It just hasn't materialized so far. So approaching the trade deadline, it was a lot of uncertainty about would they add, would they subtract, would they stand pat? They didn't move out any draft picks, but they did make a couple of key moves, as everybody knows by now. But key being maybe the, the wrong word. Maybe it was just about more depth and a little bit more insurance. And certainly nothing affected with a current roster as it sits but the fan base i think is still wondering about when this group still lots of time left in this regular season is going to make a move if at all they haven't had a lot of win streaks they've never won more than three games in a row just twice they've done that this season and it's been six weeks since they've won two games in a row so certainly all kinds of questions about this current roster with these minor tweaks with some familiar names uh, we all sit and wonder now if this team can finally go on a run this season tim Thank you very much, Ryan. And he reiterates this tough-to-evaluate team given 3-5-3 uh, and three in their last 11 games. And, of course, uh, Flames fans know all too well but all the one-goal losses. Uh, here to help us sort through it all is the general manager of the Calgary Flames, Brad Living, who's always been kind with his time to us on this show. Brad, thanks for doing this. Uh, did you get any sleep at all? Yeah, we got a couple hours here and there. It's been... Uh... You know, today's the culmination of the last several weeks and months of everybody, uh, you know, the phone calls and, and all the discussions. So uh, it's always an exciting day to get through it. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're here and uh, we know what our team is now and uh, look forward to, to the stretch drive. Hey, Brad, Nick Kiprios here. Um, just going into the week, Brad, uh, the philosophy, whether you were in by a few points or out by a few pro points, was there any feeling of a big sway in terms of buying or selling? Well, you know, Kipper, you always take your cues from your team. And, and listen, we've sort of been we've sort of been in this mode. You know, I started by saying, I think we got a good team. I think we got a really good team that's underperformed. And um, so... You know, we, we, we haven't we haven't really been able to get any sustained traction. We've we've you know, we've 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 sort of been on this stretch where you you know, win one, lose one, win two, lose two. We haven't we haven't been able to put a streak together. So I I kinda had a sense, you know, back the last several weeks, you're always hoping that you get a little more traction. Um, you know, a couple things. So we, we knew probably for the last bit of time here that we weren't gonna be you know, we weren't going to be shipping out, you know, A assets, top pick, high-end picks, you know, young prospects for, for real short-term fixes here. You know, I believe in our group. Um, and, and you know, so the other piece was, you know, we weren't looking necessarily to remove anything from the room, right? And, um, and if we could work around the edges a little bit um, and try to, try to, you know, by degrees, strengthen our team. Those are the things that we were looking to do. Um, but you know, really at the deadline, for the most part, you know, it's a, there's a lot. It's a lot of rental. It's a it's a it's a, it's it's a fairly big rental market now. There's some significant assets and picks and and a lot of volatility that went on in the market here today. We just weren't in a position where we sit here today to start spending, you know, future capital um, on short-term fixes. So we. we like I said, we try to work around the edges, um, and if we're going to find a way, it's going to come from the guys that are in the room that, that have been here you know, throughout the whole year. 
I never like judging what a guy says after a game, especially a, a hard-fought game, because sometimes your emotions run high. But Blake Coleman said, you know, he's talking about the gut-wrenching loss, and he said, right now we're a really good team, like you said, that doesn't know how to win. How do you figure that out for the rest of the way here? Well, you're right, Jim. I think there's, you know, we've had a lot of those, it seems like, um, you know, throughout the year. Um, so there's a lot of emotion right after the game. Um, you know, to me, it, it, and again, you, looking how, how we build a path going forward, I thought, I thought Jacob Markstrom was outstanding last night. Um, you know, we know the firepower that, that Toronto has, and I thought, I thought that was his best game of the year. And, and listen, Jacob's, you know, probably our most important player, and we need to get him back to the, to, to the Jacob Markstrom that we know. So I thought last night was a real, you know, a real good stepping stone. Um, We've played really good hockey for stretches, but whether it's giving up one or not finding that next one, that's what's plagued us. Um, you know, a, a, a mistake at the wrong time and it's in the back of our net or or not, you know, the other night we played Boston and, you know, we, we dominate the game. We, yeah. we I think the shots were 57, 20 or whatever it was. We can't, you know, we can't find a way to put one in. So, you know, those are, those are the margins. It's thin margins, but... You know, we found ourselves on the wrong side of it. So, you know, really all you can do, guys, is you can't carry the baggage of the first 61 or 62, however many we've played. We've got 20 games here. We know it's a steep climb. We're not, you got to be realistic. But you just focus, as, as, as cliche and motherhood as it sounds, you, you focus on tomorrow night. And uh, like I said, I believe in this group. This is, a, this is a good team. This is a good team that just, um, you know, isn't getting results right now. So, all we can do is start with tomorrow night, get a result, and go from there. All right, so you're, you're swapping Richie's here. I don't know if you just take the keys from one guy's house and, <laughs> and hand them to the other guy here. But what are you liking, Nick Richie and Troy Stetcher, that you, you wanted to make that addition today? Yeah, that was pretty odd. I, 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 I was going to ask Daryl. There's 100 setters. I, I thought for sure one of them would have been <laughs> traded through each other, but apparently this is the first brother, brother swap that we've had. But, um, you know, a couple of things. You know, Brett... You know, we, we've had the emergence of a young young player here, Walker Dewar, on the right side. Um, you know, and I think he it, it's pushed it's pushed Brett out. So this gives Brett an opportunity. You know, Nick's a big, strong, physical guy. Um, you know, we've all we all know Nick going even back to his, his days in Peterborough. You know, and and we see it in stretches, right? We see it in little in yep. little pockets. And and for now, you know, Nick can have an impact, but it's it's. He's got to be consistent. And what I talked to him about it is I think him coming here with Daryl, I think will be real good for him. He's going to push him, and I think he can maximize, um, you know, maximize his talent. He's a big, strong guy. He's got good hands. You know, he can play up and down a lineup. And you know, I it's it's you know having a guy at the end of it, uh, at the on the last year of his contract with something to prove. You know, he's he's joining a group and a team that has something to prove. So we hope he can. He can he can give us you know again uh, a bigger body with 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 some hands um, and then with Troy you know we've missed Oliver Shillington all year and um, you know I think Troy brings some similar qualities there's some mobility he's a, you know plays the right side um, Michael Stone's been out with an injury um, it gives us a, an experienced guy who's who's been in the league. Um, has played with a couple of our other players, real strong teammate, high-character guy, very competitive player. Um, so it adds to the depth of our blue line. So, like I said, we, we, we think uh, 
you know, both players are, are excited and eager to get here. And, uh, and we're looking forward to them helping us. Uh, Brad, I know it's been a long week for a lot of GMs in the league. We really appreciate your time. You've always been generous with us, and, and we do appreciate it on a day like today. Okay, appreciate it, fellas. Take care now. Be well. There is uh, Brad Treliving, general manager. I was going to ask about, about Dryden Hunt, who is another kind of the depth piece added from the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's moved around a little bit, but he is a local guy, Calgary guy. He'll join the Wranglers and has a little bit of a history. Um, yeah, not only th- this does he would play. be, again, you know, Dryden's in a position now where he'll always kind of be regarded as a, as a 12th, 13th forward. Right. And by chance he can sneak in and be a regular one day. That yeah. just hasn't happened yet, but that's, that's his role. That's his slot right now. Played with Huberto and Uyghur in Florida. Yeah. And, in fact, uh, Uyghur's living in his house in Calgary. So there's some ties there as well. All right, listen, we're going to take the break. Kipper's going to stick around. And then it's the Jets. Uh, a similar position to Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames, where you wondered what they were going to do at the deadline. There were some depth pieces. Nino Nino Ryder. We'll talk to their GM, Kevin Shuffleday, off next. Tim McAuliffe alongside Jesse Rubinoff and Nick Kiprios in studios. We continue to unpack the trade deadline. The Winnipeg Jets had Vlad Nemestikov today and, of course, Nino Niederreiter last weekend. Their executive vice president and general manager, Kevin Shoveldayoff, joins us now. Kevin, thanks for doing this. No, thanks for having me on, guys. A, a bit of a crazy week here. Like, did it make it easier, harder, about the same? How did it feel for the GM who probably didn't get a ton of sleep here? Well, you know, it, it has been an interesting time. It, you know, usually it's, uh, it is more of a deadline type of thing. Um, but this this year, it's kind of been uh, you know uh, maybe a two week sprint uh, you know leading to the deadline, and you know it, it, it's an interesting thing because you know managing your roster before the deadline, you know you're you're, you're constrained with 23 man you know rosters and different things like that. So sometimes you get a little nervous and you know wondering are you going to you know have a roster spot available when you're able to consummate a trade or different things like that. So you know there, there's lots of Balls in the air all the time, lots of moving parts, but uh, it has been an interesting time. Did the last six or so games change your outlook on this deadline for your team? No, not really. You know, for for, for me, you know, it's about, uh, you know, kind of finding the right fit. Obviously, we weren't looking at any centers, um, you know, as, as, uh, you know, in the marketplace with, uh, you know, with with Shife, PL, and uh, Adam Lowry. We feel we've got, you know, real, real deep there. So, you know, that aspect of things. Um, you know, wasn't there. Obviously, you know, didn't factor, didn't didn't like to see Cole Perfetti, you know, the injury there go down. Uh, that is something that, you know, you just don't replace a young, you know, up-and-coming player like that. Um, but, you know, we were, we were excited to get a player like Nino that, um, you know, is kind of a shoot-first type of guy. Big body, you know, that, uh, you know, below the, uh, below the hash marks, go to the net. Uh, you know, he, he's one of those guys that bullies his way through and, and will shoot a puck and, you know, perennial, uh, you know, 20-plus goal scorer. So, um, you know, that that uh, when that came available, and it wasn't necessarily on our radar, so to speak, uh, you know, we didn't know what Nashville was going to do. We, we, you know, we were fortunate to be able to jump on that quick. And then Vladdy coming available last night, you know, was the kind of Swiss Army kind of nice guy that we were looking for. Um, you know, like, uh, obviously, PL's out tonight, I think, in Edmonton. You know, Vladdy would have been a guy that, you know, kind of slides right in. He can slide all over your lineup. He played for Bones last year, so... Um, you know, those were the, the type of things that, um, you know, we, uh, we, we felt, uh, uh, you know, would help us and, and uh, you know, fortunate to, to be able to get done. Hey, Shavi, Nick Kiprios here. Um, when it comes to uh, the, the trade deadline, uh, 
today's trade deadline. Is it more of a sense that you're really painted into a corner when you're dealing with a, a, a flat cap and money in, money out? We all know your situation here with some of your star players and the contract scenarios in the next uh, six months, 12 months, 18 months. Is the summer a better opportunity for you to have a broader look on, on the future of the hockey club to uh, look at who stays or who goes uh, or, or getting some fresh faces in? Yeah, you know, again, the deadline for us, you know, we really haven't spent much time thinking about that, uh, that aspect of things for us, the deadline, you know, it, it was all about, you know, this year's team and, and trying to, you know, acquire the pieces that we think would fit and, and uh, you know, and again, having the assets of being able to do it as well. And, and, and having the availability of, of, of you know, of the opportunity to get the, those kind of players too. So, um, it, you know, for us, it, it, our focus has, you know, been singularly about, uh, you know, this group and, and here and now. You know, you speak about the ability to get those kind of players, and I don't know if it's a percentage or an explanation, but I know a lot of people in your market, a lot of fans of your team, are trying to balance, you know, what's coming up uh, in the UFA market from your team in the next year and a half versus what you're trying to do right now, which is win hockey games. When you head into a year or a deadline, what's that percentage? What's that, like, that delicate balance between pushing now and making sure that you're covered when you move forward? Well, I think that the balance is more so, again, can you find the right fit? Is there the right opportunity to, um, you know, to, to, to acquire that player? And, you know, again, you know, sometimes, uh, you, you know, you, you, the perception out there doesn't necessarily mean reality. And I think yeah. that, you know, obviously we're in a social media world where, um, you know, you guys cover your ears. I think you guys make some things up at times. So you can <laughs> cover your ears now. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting time, but you know, not every player, not every sorry, not every team gets every single player. Right. So, so the one part that that I had heard from the local market too, and and listen, Kyle Connor has been pretty vocal about adding at this deadline. Uh, some of your fans too have said the same. Are you worried that this deadline might not be enough for them? No, I think you know. Again, I think we did add. I think we added. Uh, you know. Uh, the, pieces that we you know need like this group here um you know again when when they play the structured hockey that bones has brought in i think you know you, you, you've gotten to see um what this group is we, we've been building this group for a while we traded a couple of draft picks to bring in brandon dillon and, you know nate schmidt and we drafted uh, you know the guys that uh, that are here uh you know for for the most part and and um you know again i think it's it's been or we've had to trade for some guys uh, you know that that have been here um, but again, we, we, we offered, uh, we, we gave an, an opportunity here to, I think, address some holes that, um, you know, that, uh, that we had, and, and uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, listen, Kevin, you've always been generous with your time going back to our podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you doing this on, on such a busy day. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, guys. Anytime. Uh, there is uh, Kevin Shoveldayoff, the executive vice president and general manager of the Winnipeg Jets. And, and you intimated this when we had our conversation. And I wrote down, I don't know if you saw me write down a quote, uh, the ability to get certain players. Like that's the part of this that makes it tough to be a general manager in Winnipeg because you know yeah. there's a lot of no-trade yeah. lists that have yes. the Winnipeg Jets on them. Same thing with Ken Holland yeah. in Edmonton. And listen, same thing, same thing for every Canadian team. I mean, there's a few that are a little less on the list. 
but those two are, are always high on a list and it makes it real tough. And you're such a pro because you try to get him to answer the same question that I asked, <laughs> by the way, and he wanted nothing, nothing to, do to do with it. it. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's I there. I thought maybe I could get a percentage. I know. Yeah. I know. You're great at it. No. Way better than me, but uh, he wanted nothing to do with it. He, yeah. It's there. It's the, it's the elephant in the room mm. uh, that, uh, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, doesn't want to be there in a very short while here mm. and uh, happy to probably play out this stretch and help the team win as far as they can and can they win a Stanley Cup I'm sure he'd love to but we we know he does not want to resign there and yeah. then there's Shifley and then there's Wheeler's contract coming up and Hellebuck's in a few years but yeah. he wants to focus on the here and now and I don't blame him but uh, don't tell me that uh, going into this week that wasn't uh, on his mind. Yeah, without a doubt. And for those, for the uninitiated out there, Wheeler UFA after next year, Shifley UFA after next year, Connor Hellebuck UFA yeah. after next year. And he's, and and he's going to have to find get, uh, players that, uh, star players that yeah. are willing to, uh, to play in Winnipeg, and that may mean overpaying them sometimes too. Right. Um, Sean Reynolds said it earlier this week, but the, the, the laying of the egg against the New York Islanders at home said a lot about what Rick Bonus wow. is going to have to do with this team. Listen, like you get called out by your coach yeah. and you have one shot in the first period, like, yeah. you know, we've heard the words major surgery before. If it doesn't happen this year, going into next year with all those UFAs, there may need to be some major Their, their saving grace may be that Calgary just can't get their act together. Right. All right, uh, Kipper's going to stick around. We'll take one last break, uh, and then we'll head to game time, and then we'll head to the Jackets and the Kraken. Also got the Jets and the Oilers regionally tonight on the Sportsnet family of channels. Please stick around. It is our livelihood. Well, Kipper's all right. He's got a little bit. <laughs> Welcome back. It's season seven of the Chevrolet Good Deeds Cup is still going, entering super easy, and this year, no good deed goes unnoticed. We are challenging minor hockey teams across the country to do as many good deeds as they can to fill up the cup. The more good deeds, the better the chance to win $100,000 for charity. But submissions close tomorrow, March 4th, before midnight. So get on it, kids. Post your good deeds on social with the hashtag GoodDeedsCup, hashtag contest, and tag at Chevrolet Canada to make sure that your good deeds are counted. For more information, go to ChevroletGoodDeedsCup.ca. All right, here's what's on tap tonight on the network. Immediately following us, just a few minutes, Kraken and Jackets on Sportsnet. Nets and Celtics are over on Sportsnet 1. Smackdowns on Sportsnet 360. And regionally, Jets and Oilers on Sportsnet West. And a good one later, Devils are in Vegas. Ooh. That could get flying and real quick. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff, Nick Kiprios here with you in game time. We hand to Mr. Rubinoff. Thank you very much. I will take it and run with it. Nice. Seattle Kraken visit the Columbus Blue Jackets, as you heard next on Sportsnet. And just there. Second season, the Kraken are currently in a playoff spot, sitting in third place in the Pacific Division. Columbus didn't qualify for the playoffs until their eighth season in the league, didn't win a series until their 18th season. Kipper, could this Kraken team do some damage in the postseason, in your estimation? No, but you got to give them full credit here because they're 
There is the tendency to look at where you were in the standings maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and say, okay, let's let's go for it. And they were smart enough. I, I think it's the right move that Ron Francis didn't go kind of crazy this week and think that, uh, you know, I got to measure up to being like Vegas and, and get to a Stanley Cup final in my first couple of years. They weren't going to give up uh, first rounders, second rounders. I think there's a plan Stay in place, and I think they're staying the course. Exactly. Stay the course. There you go. You know what's funny is Jesse and I were watching the wrap-up of the early coverage of the trade deadline. And I'm not going to throw any names out there, but Let's a few <laughs> yeah. suggested that they were upset with what the Kraken was doing. And both Jesse and I looked at each other and we said, you know what? That, that might not be right. I'm with you. Like, you put a plan in place yes. of what you were going to do, and you are sticking to that yeah. plan. You're not going to be lured. You're not going to be seduced into yeah. perhaps extending yourself just to make one playoff run in season you, number You talk to a few uh, NHL executives that have been around. Sometimes the hurry to get better is the hurry to get yourself fired a lot quicker. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of think back to the expansion draft, and there wasn't the same Stewie amount of wasn't money. the only one, by the way, as you throw him under the bus. There were two people that said the Kraken. I know. You said right. we're not naming names. <laughs> I only named half of them. Uh, I, I think back to the, the expansion draft for the Golden Knights and the Kraken. And Vegas came out of that one, I think, with a lot more fanfare than Seattle did. And it felt people like their trajectory those. was set up to be quicker than, than the yeah. Kraken. Yeah, and people learn from Vegas's. Uh, you know, expansion draft and what they did and how they held people hostage to not take players. They didn't fall for it with Seattle, right? Listen, if if you go back to even last summer or or even last season, they've already got six or seven new faces in their uh, on their roster than they even did last year, including uh, their their highly touted rookie Matty Beniers as well, right? So they've already experienced roster changes and getting better. They don't need to cram it in. This isn't me in grade nine cramming for an, <laughs> a, a, an essay or a, an exam. You know, spread out the homework. Uh, I'm going to make a bold prediction right here, right now. We it. just talked to Brad Your Living. The Flames make the playoffs. Oh. I don't know if you've seen their schedule down the stretch. It's all in the West, and the team that they pass to make those playoffs are the Seattle Kraken. Oh. Is wow. that tough for you? Because you've been you've been high on uh, Seattle all season. Yeah, no, I like what they've done. I think that they're fun to watch, but they also can't stop anybody. They can score goals, right. and they do it with a balanced lineup, and that's what I've been marveling at all year is the fact that they don't have – like their leading scorer is nowhere close no. to the leading scorers in the league, but as a team, they're among the leading scoring teams in the league because it's a balanced attack. But I, I don't think they have the goaltending down yeah. the stretch. They haven't made a move. They're not there yet. Team acknowledges it. I think Calgary, they've got, I think, nine left against the bottom four in the West. I'm interested to see, um, and we just had uh, Brad uh, Tree Living talking mm-hmm. about uh, Nick Ritchie and uh, Daryl. Yeah. And just, can can Daryl be the guy that lights a fire under Nick Ritchie? That because in many Ritchie ways, we knew since the moment yeah. he was drafted, I think he was 10th or 12th overall, that the feel was this this guy was going to be the next Milan Lucic to go out there and be this power forward playing at 240, 250, hitting like a truck. Yeah. And just the inconsistency in his game. Can Daryl do it? I mean, if Daryl can't get this guy going, um, next season he's skating with me at North Toronto on right. Thursday mornings. Right. 10th uh, overall 2014 draft. If Daryl can't do it, you're right. Uh, and they have the second easiest schedule the Calgary Flames do over the final 20 games. I, I want to hear your, your take on this, Kipper, because you obviously watched the Flames and Leafs last night. 
they put a lot of pressure and a lot of shots towards opposing team's net, but yeah. it feels like there's no like there's no buzz there. They're not buzzing yeah. when they get going in the offensive zone. Like, is it, they not get to the greasy areas? Like, what is it about that team? That they can't score. Yeah, I, I think when you when you look at uh, their roster right now, they've got some very good players, but it, it takes a special player to be able to finish off plays. Yeah. And you know, you, you look at uh, Huberto and where he came from last season, um, and even Uyghur, McKenzie. Yeah. Like they were flowing, they were just you know Harlem Globetrotters, uh, East West, and then you go into a system that's North South and. Uh, it, it just dries up. Yeah. Like, Jonathan Huberto is in line to have one of the worst... Uh, something points. Back, yeah, coming off of a 115 yeah. season. Yeah. Like, only th maybe three guys in history have been chopped from the number of points he had last season to where he is now. Yeah. And right now, they don't have game-breaking finishers. Yeah. They got good players, but they... There are no stars right now. There's no Mitch Marner. There's no Austin Matthews to shoot the puck. There's no yeah. uh, It's also Darryl Sutter hockey too, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. playing those one-goal games or just losing those one-goal games because sure. they don't have goaltending. All right, let's get to the rest of it because I know there's a couple more here. Yeah, uh, we were briefly touching on the Golden Knights. They take on the Devils later that tonight on Sportsnet. That was my way of not letting Kipper yeah. respond to it. Timo Meyer still not ready you to You are a pro. <laughs> With the Devils uh, as he recovers from an upper body injury, but we will get our first look at Jonathan Quick in a Golden Knights jersey as he'll back up Aiden Hill. Kipper Quick has struggled this year, obviously, but do you think he can yeah. help the Golden Knights in some way? Uh, highly unlikely. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, the best of a bad situation. Would, would the Leafs have considered him if the price tag wasn't uh, as high as it was in terms of trying to fit him into the cap? I don't, I don't know. Um, but I, I don't mind the gamble. That's yeah, um, a good roll of the dice for Vegas. But... Like I said uh, earlier, the people in L.A. thought that he was done two years ago, tried, tried their best to kind of prolong it, but uh, when push came to shove, they had to make this move uh, with Columbus uh, a couple days ago. He'll be motivated. He'll be motivated because yeah, no it sounds doubt. like he didn't want to go. No doubt. We were talking about game breakers uh, just a little while ago. Connor McDavid can make history tonight as the Oilers host the Jets. Certainly a game breaker. He scored two goals in each of the last five games. And with two more tonight, he'll tie the all-time record for the longest multi-goal streak. Our friends at Bet Rivers are offering plus 310 odds for McDavid to score two goals tonight. Kipper, will he do it again? Yeah, I... I don't bet against guys like this <laughs> or Crosby. Uh, if he can't do it, <laughs> nobody can. I, I like his chances tonight. Look at the look at the dates of the two guys that have hit six in NHL history, right? Joe Malone in 2021 and Punch Broadbent like a hundred years like, ago. That's the most indicative stat of all the stats that we've seen to compare them through history. Like that's the one, because you look, look it's a hundred years. Yeah, Gretz didn't do it. If Gretz didn't do it and it's a scoring record. In, in a 92 goal season, he didn't do it. Right, right. Unbelievable think about what that. Connor McDavid is doing right now. and. I think, uh, you know, Jesse and I have said it a bunch of times. I think Gino said it a couple yeah. mm -hmm. Like, just you tune in, you watch, because what you're seeing here is something that you haven't seen in a generation. And he scores his 50th, and he's miserable. <laughs> miserable! <laughs> I would have been doing backflips. Oh, we lost 10-2, so but I got my 50th. Right. If I got one, that would have <laughs> All right, that does it for us. Uh, thank you very much, Nick Kiprios, for sticking around yeah, the my entire pleasure, last guys. hour. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jesse Rubinoff, and thank you, Canada. It has been a wild week around these parts. We'll take the break. Be back Monday. 
But for now, it's time for hockey as the Kraken take on the Blue Jackets in Columbus. We'll see if my prediction about Seattle Kraken hockey comes to fruition. It starts now. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Blue Jackets Kraken, next.